KBZE. Booze League Radio is on the air. Booze League Radio. Wiley Withers. The Commish. Stephen Orr. Otter. This is the Boozecast. Broadcasting live from the Booze League HQ. God invented whiskey so the Irish wouldn't rule the world. All right, everybody, welcome in. This is draft 23 of the Boozecast. Coming at you from Booze League headquarters here in sunny Southern California. If you've missed any of our previous booze casts, you can go online and find us. You can find us on boozeleague.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on iTunes as well. And if you haven't already, go ahead and give a follow to us on Twitter and also Facebook and Instagram. You can stay up to date with the latest swag that we have as well as um, anything else that we have going on, events, that kind of thing. So, um, as you know, uh, Otter is out on assignment. We have gotten word as to where he is. A uh, short time ago, a private plane landed in the city of Sin in the desert. A large man, well tanned from Jamaica and Rio, got off of that private plane. From what we have heard from our sources there on the ground, Otter is actually making a tour of all the champagne rooms in Vegas. I have heard there's no sex in the champagne room, but when it comes to Otter, we'll see what he can do. So he's going to be out in Sin City. He is working our way back here to us. A lot of people have asked me, all right, is Otter okay? Well, you hear where he's at. He's out there. He's ranging around in the world. He's becoming a better Otter than himself. He's kind of, it's like a Pokemon. You know, you start off here and then you move on to the next one um, or move up to the next one. Actually, I don't know much about Pokemon, but... That's what Otter's doing. He's becoming a better Otter by traveling the world. He'll come back with a number of stories once he's done. Now, that being said, though, that means that today, somebody's going solo. 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 Lone Star. The commissioner is going solo. That's right. The commissioner is going solo today. I'm going rogue, in fact. Going rogue. So um, you're with me for the next 40 minutes or so. We're going to do all the normal stuff that we do. And as such, if we're going to get through this, we better start drinking. So if you do have your beer ready to go at home, it's time to pick up with the beer of the day. The beer of the day. Today's beer of the day is a California brewery, and I'm actually surprised that we haven't yet gotten to them. The beer of the day today is Pizza Port Brewing's Chronic Amber Ale. Now, this has got a uh, ABV of 4.9%. Alcohol. Um, the untapped ratings has got over 25,000 ratings, coming in right about 3.52. Um, Pizza Port Brewing says that this is a historically brewed with hemp seeds. Chronic Ale has been a staple at Pizza Port for over a decade. This mellow amber is the most popular beer in all of our pub locations as it agrees with everyone's palate and goes great with pizza. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. I agree with all that. Uh, what I will say is I did a quick check before I came on the air today. 
and you cannot find it except for one of their brew pubs. Uh, they have one in Bressy Ranch. It's the only one you're going to find this on tap, but it is widely available in supermarkets, Bevmo, or anywhere else, liquor stores. Uh, they do have this. Um, Pizza Port Brewing was actually started back in 1987. Brother-sister team of Gina and Vince Marsalia uh, started Pizza Port. They bought a struggling pizza place in Solana Beach. There's a lot of extra space in the restaurant, so Vince thought that that would be a good spot to maybe try his hand at some home brewing. They started pouring their first official Pizza Port beers in 1992, and now they do have distribution uh, throughout the state. I don't know if they're out of the state, but I do know that you can get them in all points here in Southern California. Um, if you're listening to this and you live in Southern California, I would be shocked if you haven't had Pizza Port beer before. If you do want to visit them down in San Diego, which I do highly recommend, their pizza is pretty phenomenal. Um, you can visit them at Carlsbad, Bressy Ranch, where you can get Veronica Ale on tap, Oceanside, and San Clemente. Uh, Pizza Port has won 90-plus medals and honors at the Great American Beer Festival. And here's a fun fact for you, for you IPA, you hopheads out there. Swami IPA, which was first released in 1993, uh, is actually considered as the foundational brew that defined West Coast IPAs. It's got a 6.8% alcohol, alcohol. Uh, 72 IBUs, and with 44,000 plus ratings on Untapped, it sits in there right about 3.8. Now, a number of other beers, or breweries rather, have followed suit on uh, Swami. Stone, Dallas Point, Green Flash is the one that most people point to. They really ran with the style, and in fact, the West Coast IPA is often what people think of when they think of a West Coast IPA, and Green Flash even trademarked that phrase. But it all goes back to Swami IPA uh, back in 1993, which is the one that first uh, kind of had the properties of what a West Coast IPA is. Go to pizzaport.com, pizzaport.com if you want to learn more about them. Now, if you're listening to this right now, obviously we chose Legalize It because of the hemp aspect of this beer. The man singing this is Peter Tosh, born Winston Hubert McIntosh back in 1944 in West Norman, Jamaica. Peter Tosh moved to Trenchtown after his aunt died, taught himself guitar. This is a true fact. Taught himself guitar by watching a man play the same song over and over for half a day, memorizing what this man's fingers were doing. He then took that man's guitar and played that song back to him. In the early 60s in Trenchtown, he met one Robert Nesta Marley, Bob Marley for those following along at home, and also Neville O'Reilly Livingston, who is known as Bunny Whaler. In 1962, those three men formed the Wailing Whalers. And by the way, the cover album, or the cover art on that album uh, for the Wailing Whalers is pretty amazing. Um, very typical 19, like early 1960s. Kind of looks like The Temptations. Um, the most striking thing on that cover is one, Bob Marley, completely shaven, no dreads, looking very, very clean cut, even a little bit of a flat top going on there. Um, so I will actually tweet that out so that you all can take a look at it. It's a pretty amazing cover. But um, Tosh was the only one in that band that could play a musical instrument, and he is what inspired the rest of the Whalers to want to learn how to play. In fact, he is the man that taught Bob Marley how to play guitar. 
there was a dispute with Island Records in 1974, and Tosh uh, and Bunny Whaler left the Whalers, even though, and most people don't know this, he wrote, Peter Tosh wrote some of Bob Marley's most popular songs, including this one. Oh yeah, we're going all reggae today. Just in time for summer, I guess. Um, He released Legalize It in 1976 shortly after the dispute made him leave Island Records. That song became an anthem for proponents of marijuana legalization and Rastafarians around the world. Fun fact about Peter Tosh, he had quite an avid interest in unicycles. So he would actually come on stage on a unicycle. He got very good at it. He could jump. He could ride forward. He could go ride backwards. Um, And in fact, people always saw him on a freaking unicycle, which is not something you would normally associate with a legend of reggae. Now, his life did end back in 1987 on September 11th. Uh, It's kind of a tragic little uh, thing that happened to him. His home was invaded by gang members looking for money. Uh, as friends came by to see Peter Tosh, they would take them hostage as well. Eventually, in frustration of not being able to find any money in the place, they just started shooting it up. And Tosh was hit in the head twice and died that same day. So, sad ending for Peter Tosh, but still one of reggae's. Reggae wouldn't be where it is today uh, without that man. We probably wouldn't know and love Bob Marley as much as we do without Peter Tosh. And without any further ado... It's time to raise our glasses for round one. Round one. Yup. I think I'll have a beer. Say my name. That is not a bad beer. It's a little more malty than I'd be into normally. Lately, I've been really kind of riding the line between IPAs and pale ales, so I'm really actually more into the sharper, a little bit more bitter, bright taste of a pale ale, but this is not a bad beer. Um, (laughs) We used to crush this in the pool. Uh, This, Fortunate Islands, and um, Mike Hess, uh, which is a great brewery out of San Diego. I don't know what their distribution's like. They are well worth looking up. My favorite cans actually come from Mike Hess. Uh, you take the whole top off, it's one of those, and your, your can actually becomes like a kind of a cool aluminum pint glass, you know. Uh, kind of looks like the uh, the pint glasses that look like cans, and except you got a real one. So that's pretty good. I recommend getting this beer if you can. Chronic Ale is very good. I also recommend trying their Swami IPA if you haven't had it. I've been seeing it on tap at more and more places. It is absolutely worth giving a shot and trying that out. Uh, so that being said, it's time for some news. Spanning the globe to bring you all the news that's fit to booze to, this is the Booze Line News. KBCE, Booze League Radio. All right, time for some news. How many of you out there listening are big fans or enjoy LaCroix? Is that how you say it? LaCroix, 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 um... I say LaCroix, but I, I also butcher languages, so I could be completely wrong. But if you do like LaCroix and you happen to live up in the Bay Area, you are in luck. Temescal Brewing, which is based out of Oakland, actually has just canned a special treat for San Francisco Beer Week, which I know was last month. 
Um, but I do believe you can probably still find this uh, probably at the brewery if you'd like. They brewed a beer called La Fizz. It is a LaCroix-inspired sparkling ale that is 3.8% ABV. Alcohol. It is easy drinking and made with fresh ruby red grapefruit zest. So, Temescal Brewing, uh, this is kind of an homage to uh, LaCroix, mainly because behind the scenes there at Temescal Brewing, uh, the non-alcoholic beverage, LaCroix, has a great popularity there in that brew house. So, they launched it February 13th at their Temescal Tap Room. They roll out to select beer stores throughout the week, according to the report. So, um, I'm going to guess that there's probably still some of these hanging around out there. It's, it's worth noting. Uh, at least check it out if you are a fan of that. Probably a very good sessionable beer at only uh, 3.8% ABV. Alcohol. Um, it might be worth trying out. And if you do try it out, let us know. I'm very curious as to what that would taste like. And, and I guess if you're going to get close to a fizzy, fruity water, you're going to have to keep the, the alcohol level pretty low. Alcohol. Now, um, Sam Gilbert, who is Temescal's Brewing, Temescal Brewing's founder, um, had this logic behind the reason that they did this. They say that beer week is often a time when brewers release really big beers, monster stouts, triple or quadruple IPAs. Our philosophy as a brewery has always leaned in the other direction towards beer that is drinkable and soft. So we thought this would be a fun, a bit, a fun bit of counter-programming, sort of a healthy alternative before you dive back into those 12.12% ABV barley wines. Alcohol. Now, I'm going to be honest, uh, I'm generally I'm going to stick with the uh, 12% ABV barley wines. Alcohol. Um, but if, again, if you like grapefruit zest, get on that. You can check them out at temescalbrewing.com, T-E-M-E-S-C-A-L, brewing.com. Uh, they might have something up there about if they got any more left, um, where you could find it, if not, that kind of thing. So the next one we have here, uh, our next news story uh, how many out there are fans of the Flaming Lips? Flaming Lips actually just made a comeback, I believe. I know they're at Coachella a few years ago. Um, I think I didn't get a chance to go see them there, but they are putting out a record filled with pink beer. This is going to be for Record Store Day, which I fully support. I have drank the vinyl uh, Kool-Aid here in the past year or so, and we'll often talk about it like a geek or a hipster or something if anyone brings up vinyl. Um, but... They are going to release an album full of pink beer for Record Store Day. It's going to be a limited edition 7-inch vinyl. The uh, title of the vinyl is The Story of Yum Yum and the Dragon. There are two songs on this record. They are inspired by Dogfish Head Brewing's new beer, Dragons and Yum Yums. It's a tart pale ale. It gets its name because it's brewed with dragon fruit and yum berries. I know, big surprise, right? Makes sense. Now, um, I guess there's, uh, he's gonna, the, the lead singer here of uh, Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips uh, is looking to have these two characters, Dragon and Yum Yum, uh, be the center of a story told on this EP. So in addition to these uh, two beer-inspired songs, um, they are going to release 100 translucent records filled with the pink Dragons and Yum Yum beer. And this is actually the beer that Doghead Fish or Dogfish Head is brewing uh, will actually be in this uh, vinyl record. Now, it's going to be hard to get your hands on. You're probably thinking right now, you're like, damn, how could I get my hands on that? Probably impossible. You're probably correct. It's only going to be available at a handful of special events in April. But um, if you do live in one of these cities uh, where one of these events are being hosted, you do have a chance. 
These events, uh, the cities will include Atlanta, Baltimore, Brooklyn, Key West, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Vegas. Nashville, Phoenix, Tempe, and also Washington, D.C. You can actually go to dogfishhead.com if you want more information on that um, and the events that they're going to be having. The events are actually sponsored, I believe, by Dogfish Head. Um, I got, eh, go to the website and find out. I'll let you do a little bit of work out there. Wayne Coyne had this to say about the beer, though. Um, in, in typical Flaming Lips style, take it uh, as you will. Turns out the Dogfish Head thought we, the Flaming Lips, were a well-branded and marketing marketed entity. They thought we were perhaps a cult, a cartoon, a religion, a candy company with an art rock group. Us coming together to make what might be the wor world's first vinyl record filled with pink-colored beer is somehow perfect. Now, um, I guess we'll see if that's the case. I mean, I, de I definitely want to try this beer, though. Far more than I want to try anything with grapefruit zest. Uh, along with peach, grapefruit, I'm not in. Just I'm just not in. Um, now, Sam uh, Calagione, Calagione, Sam Calagione, CEO and founder of Dogfish Head. I probably totally butchered that, and I do apologize. <laughs> I guess we'll be never doing a uh, live booze cast at uh, Dogfish Head since I butchered that poor fellow's name. Apologies, Sam, very much. Um, he says there have been a ton of iconic collaborations over the years, but we believe this is the first time a band has been so pivotal and deeply involved in the creation of a beer. The ingredients that were chosen, as well as authoring a song made specifically for tribute of the beer. I, I agree with that to, to a certain extent. I mean, I know right now we have a lot of bands out there who are putting out collaborations. Um, Punk and Drublick comes to mind. Ale Smith, Sublime uh, also comes to mind. Uh, there are a number, I think we've done a number of beers here that do have some type of collaboration with a brewery. So I don't believe, though, on that note, that any of them have put beer in their records. So Sam might be uh, onto something there. He might actually, he might be uh, correct in, uh, in, in saying that. But this beer is actually being rolled out this month and will be available nationwide through August. Uh, if you go out and search for this um, on Untapped, there is currently nothing on Untapped about it uh, except for just the basic information about it. But it does have one review so far that was put in yesterday um, as they were brewing it. It was in a little taster cup and said that this is literally, we are making this right now, and he, um, <laughs> he rated it four and a half, which if you're making a beer and it's not a five, it makes me wonder what's going on with that. But that's what it is, and that's what they're doing. So get out there and uh, when you can and grab one of those vinyl records with beer in it. Our next story is a sad one. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take a drink for this because it's just that sad. And it has to do with a bride. Poor bride on her way to her own wedding. That's a huge bitch. Now, on the way there, apparently she probably gotten up in the morning, probably had some champagne with the bridesmaids, you know, that kind of thing, which I get. I mean, I've, I've been to, in enough weddings to know that that's kind of how it goes. The problem, though, was on the way to her wedding she got in a three-car accident. So, basically, she was arrested for driving under the influence on the way to her own wedding. Uh, this is in Marana. I'm not sure what state that's in, but um, this is in Marana. And this was, she was arrested last month. No, it's in Arizona. Okay, so Marana, Arizona. She's arrested just outside of Tucson. 
Sergeant Chriswell Scott tweeted out a photo, and I've noticed lately with a lot of the news stories that we're doing, it seems that the more than ever, the police are throwing shade uh, out there to the people that they're busting, especially with these non-fatal like type of DUIs, that kind of thing. Non, I mean, it's a criminal kind of thing, but I mean, you're drunk and you got pulled over, that's on you. Kind of different than some of the other stuff you might see out there, but he tweeted out, uh, and just just so you know, the bride was released later later that same day. Don't know if she actually made her wedding or if they just kind of put everything on hold or, or how that worked. I'm sure it ruined the wedding. But um, and why are you getting married on a on a Monday? That's uh, bad decisions abound in this. But this is what uh, Sergeant Scott tweeted out along with a picture of this poor woman in her wedding dress getting into the back of a cruiser. A driver was arrested for DUI this a.m. while driving to her wedding. Officers arrived at approximately 10.30 to reference a three-vehicle collision. One person was transported with minor injuries. Don't drive impaired till death do we part doesn't need any help. And along with that, uh, this poor woman, and they never gave her name, thank God. I mean, she'd probably catch a lot of crap on Twitter, I would imagine. But the picture of her getting into a police cruiser um, on the way to the worst reception ever, I would guess. Last story uh, is one of my favorite stories that we've actually pulled out here on the Boozecast. And uh, I think you'll see why here in just a second. But this comes to us from Australia, from Melbourne, to be exact. There's a face gr- Facebook group. Easy for me to say. There is a Facebook group online on Facebook. Owen Wilson while posting. You can go ahead and check out that page if you want. Um, the FB pa- the Facebook page has a big banner on it says life, love, wow, as it were. Um, wow. They actually got hundreds of people to gather in Federation Square in Australia, all for the purpose of saying wow, all together, just like Owen Wilson. Uh, let's go to the uh, tape, shall we? Now, my favorite part of that, let's go back in here. The the it, he is so Australian. That guy with the with the horn. Let's hear that again. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. So uh, there is no word as to why they did this. Um, just why the hell not? Out there they go in Federal Square. All to say, wow, like Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Um, now, what's funny about this, of course, going down and, and, and finding that video and, and getting that amazing footage. All right, let's get it started. Let's get it started led me down a rabbit hole of other compilations because of course it's not ju- you're not you're not going to find a video like that and not have listed on the right side of YouTube there ooh time for round 2 i hope you guys have finished up i just finished my first beer it's time to move on to round 2 round 2 i'll have enough it's a trap Ooh. <laughs> I'm slamming it tonight. Utah, give me two. 
<laughs> Get me two. Get me two. Um, round two. Down the hatch, everybody. Cheers. All right. Well, you can hear the booze hound in the back throwing a bone around. Darby, I'm recording. Do you mind? Um, okay. So let's get back to uh, our little uh, wow moments here. Wow. So down the right side, there was, of course, a list of compilations all having to do with Owen Wilson. And there are a number of them where um, it, there is one that's the best, though, that, of course, is a compilation of him saying, wow. 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 In wow. fact, wow. this wow. is every wow. 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 He has ever wow. said. Wow. Wow. In a film, that's great. Wow. ends up being pretty close wow. to two minutes. Wow. wow! Wow! Look at that shine! Wow! Wow! Just wow. to get through. Wow! 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 The amount of wows, and I can imagine as you hear this, you're like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, of course he says wow a lot. What about that other one? Because there are more compilations of stuff you may not have realized. For instance, they have a compilation of Tom Hanks yelling. And, of course, the one that jumps to mind probably immediately, and in fact, probably faster than an Owen Wilson wow compilation would jump to mind, is one Keanu Reeves and some woes. Fun fact, none of those woes are before the iconic woe that came from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If you're like me, you figure that that was the inaugural woe. That was the first time we got some woe from Keanu. In fact, I would say that the, uh, not only did I think that that was the inaugural one, I thought it was one of only two woes that that man has ever said. He's well known for woe, don't get me wrong. But I thought that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and The Matrix the whole woe thing. I thought that Matrix was just a callback to Bill and Ted's. Turns out he has been woeing since the mid-80s. The first couple of woes we heard there are Babes in Toyland, uh, Babes in Toyland, and also uh, the night before, very, very young Keanu Reeves, woeing it up, sticking his face in between some girl's rack and going down the line. Another one that might have popped into your head as well, popped into mind immediately, is this guy right here. I bet you thought that Matthew McConaughey was known for all right, but maybe you didn't realize how much he says. All right, all right. Just all right in general, really. It didn't win it. Now, that's pretty good. Don't get me wrong. That's pretty entertaining to hear. But, again, there is a whole community online that does nothing but watch every single movie these guys have been in and make a compilation of the stuff they do all the time. And I learned through this process of going down the rabbit hole of looking these compilations up, apparently Matthew McConaughey also makes weird noises in his movies all the time. Oh. Hey. Hey. You know what? Ha! 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 
That is correct. That is Matthew McConaughey. And I encourage you, in fact, I'll post on the draft page. I'll post a link to this video. It is... It is just as dumb and ridiculous as it sounds. I, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna leave you one more on the Matthew McConaughey weird sounds. Um, so moving on. Um, and that's the way the news goes. Yeah, there's gonna be a whole lot of uh, celebrity compilations on this draft page, but they're well worth watching. I'll be honest, um, the Keanu one only because he doesn't get to his iconic woe early enough. It's just kind of watching an old 80s movie with a very young-looking Keanu. So uh, not as entertaining as you would think. Um, we're going to move on to something now that's kind of been sitting in my mind a little bit. Uh, it actually goes all the way back to Super Bowl. Um, you might remember most of you listening probably watched the Super Bowl, I would guess. If not for the love of football, at the very least, because it's a good excuse to maybe party, maybe drink up, and maybe have a beer or two. Yeah! Well... You might have noticed, because most people do watch the commercials more than anything else, you might have seen a certain commercial by one of everyone's least favorite giant breweries. I'll be right there. Now the storm is affecting thousands of families, people still in desperate need. This is the infamous water commercial from Budweiser. Most people have the thought of like, all right, well, it's Budweiser. I mean, do they even need to put water in it? Can't they just send out Budweiser? I get that. And don't think I don't find that amusing, because I do, actually. But it's a minute long, um, and it actually shows one of uh, Budweiser's, um, I guess he's the general manager of their Cartersville, Georgia brewery. You know, it has him wake up in the middle of the night. He goes into... Uh, switch gears on churning out the flat or fizzy watery Budweiser and instead switches over to normal water. And it's not a bad commercial. Um, you know, I, I, here's the thing about Budweiser. You know, Budweiser, and I'll, and I'll get to the reason why I'm on this for a second, because um, Budweiser has been doing this for over 30 years. Been, And I'm actually going to – I'm not siding with Budweiser. I'm not – it's not really like me and like, hey, I love Budweiser because I do not. I am, I'm definitely a crappier guy. But um, I do want to say something about Budweiser doing this charity kind of stuff for them. Over 30 years, they started doing this back in 1988. They have shipped more than 79 million cans of water for disaster relief domestically. 79 million cans domestically to people who needed it. Um, and by the way, that uh, this uh, lady right here... What you're listening to. This is Skylar Gray, who sings a Stand By Me song. And this is what's played over the commercial as all this is going down. And she, in addition to Budweiser donating all this water and doing disaster relief, she is donating a portion of her proceeds to the American Cross um, towards uh, disaster relief as well. So that sounds good, right? I mean, Americans out there helping Americans. However, a lot of people on Twitter had an issue with this. And in particular, one brewery's account, uh, Braxton Brewing, um, out of Covington, Kentucky, actually tweeted out back at Budweiser about this. 
And this is where I'm going to actually, this is where people are going to start hating me probably, I would guess. Um, <laughs> but we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to get through this. You and me, we'll get through it together, I swear. Um, Braxton Brewing tweeted out after uh, they saw this, quote, we canned water too, Budweiser, but you don't see us spending $5.5 million to tell people about it. Now, I get that. I, I Essentially, what they're accusing them of is, you know, for profits, you know, kind of getting out there like, you know, hey, look what we've done. Look at me. Look, I mean, look how good we are. But to Braxton's point, Budweiser sending out that amount and then being able to spend another $5.5 to tell people that they did it, I get what the guy's saying. I get whoever runs their account, I'm going to assume it's probably someone high up. I don't think they're that big of a brewery, so it's probably – a very small team over there. I get where they're going with that, and I get what they're trying to say. My beef with this is that the arena of charity is not the place to do something like that. Budweiser is—we're all Americans here. Harvey, I know people who are involved with that. I know people that were involved in Florida. I know how bad it has been, and, and even out here, Budweiser is sending out water to people of. Uh, that have fire issues up in uh, Bay Area and Sonoma, as well as down here in the Southland, Ventura County especially. We were hit very, very hard down here. So I get where he's going with that. And I think that a lot of this ire is is based off of this commercial right here. The original, if you want to go back to 2015, Budweiser put out a pretty snarky commercial saying that we proudly brew micro, micro beer. It's not brewed to be fussed over, they say. It's brewed for a crisp smooth finish so they tend to i get i get the well i can see where you draw a line between this commercial and to the water commercial that aired this one as well i mean they even got pictures of quote-unquote hipsters enjoying their uh what do they put here? it's coming up here it's like a pumpkin peach ale or something something of that nature it's it's coming here in a second let them sip their pumpkin peach ale that's right <laughs> we'll be brewing Golden Suds. Sure, why not? Your beer still sucks, Budweiser. It just is what it is. But I can see where you draw a line from that commercial to the water commercial and still have some bitterness. And honestly, craft washing is a big issue in the in the beer industry. It's affected a number of different industries. Um, every just stuff people even wouldn't think about. From I don't know something you'll find in the store that looks like hey, it looks pretty. That looks like someone named you know so and so made it back in a shack. This must be the best strawberry jam you've ever had craft washing is a thing and if you haven't heard that term before you're gonna start hearing it more and more especially in relation to beer the more that big beer buys these smaller beers you're gonna see craft washing more and more and you're gonna have people confused about what actually is a craft beer versus what isn't so i know this is a very this is a big sticking point here and i get that Look at uh, when Goose Island releases their Bourbon County Stout on that day and people line up around the block. They're taking pictures of it on Instagram and they're hashtagging it craft beer. That's not craft beer. It just isn't. My problem, though, with getting with, with, with fighting back against AB InBev and all these others is you can't do it in the arena of charity. That's where things that's where an issue forms, because in charity, we all got to be together on this. And it's a real bad look. If craft beer gets known to be so bitter that they'll even they don't care they'll be in a, on a, they'll they'll start you know picking apart no yeah I was just getting into that here all right everyone uh, I hope you finished drinking up I didn't drink nearly enough oh quick one quick moment here 
I'm lagging behind. That's just what it is. See what happens when I talk a lot? But anyways, uh, raise it up. It's time for round three. Round three. Oh, have another. Ping pong. Hey, everybody. We're all going to get late. Boy, that escalated quickly. Boy, it sure did. Just like me talking about it. I was getting into that there for a second here. I'm glad I took a moment back. As as in most cases, I mean, beer can cause some issues in pubs. Everyone gets all fired up. I've had fights with my friends about um, things where I'm all buzzed up on beer. But um, in this case, though, I'm glad. Yeah, this calmed me down a little bit here. But don't... It's a bad look. Look, craft beer has a, a large, um, I mean, yeah, we're, we're taking market shares as uh, craft beer is taking market share, but it's still a drop in the bucket to these macro breweries. So part of what I believe brings people to craft beer is that human aspect of it, is being able to go down to the pub down the street, you meet the guy that makes the beer that, you, that you're drinking right now that you like, you can talk to him about it, you can go through all, like it's it's a different type of connection than it is with these bigger beers that rely on um, marketing, Bud Light spent, what, $2 billion, I think, last year in marketing alone to come up with stuff like... Dilly dilly. And... Let's go, Bud Light. So let them play in that arena, but remember where craft beer comes from. Remember that you, the human element of craft beer is what will draw people to craft beer and what will keep them at craft beer and what will separate the people who enjoy it from the people portrayed in that first commercial back in 2015 with their handlebar mustaches and shitty sweaters sipping on pumpkin peach ale. Because that the more that we feed into Budweiser by calling them out in the wrong places and getting all bitter and angry and all that, the more you do that, what is it? what's that phrase? Uh, when they go low, we go high. I think that that really applies here. And I'm kind of sad that Braxton Brewing uh, took it down that road and ultimately put that out there. If if you do go, the tweet's still up. And in fact, a lot of people there were actually kind of annoyed at them about it. And they, there's a lot, there's a pretty big response on that tweet. Maybe that was their point. That's, that's, that is entirely possible. But a lot of people ask, were asking them, okay, well, how, what did you do then? You say that you announced uh, that you... you put this beer out there towards Hurricane Relief and Hurricane Harvey only is what they sent it to. They sent out about a thousand cans of of water, which I don't know what their production is. That great. I'm glad they did that. But by calling out Budweiser saying, hey, we sent out water too. You're you're just telling everybody about it. Well, you told everybody about it as well and you're acting like a bitter child. So let that go. Go out there, do well, let your let your actions speak for yourself. Let your beer speak for yourself. And uh, I think that we're all going to be in a better place. It's time to go pro with your bad habit. Booze League Radio. All right, everyone. Well, you probably know. I know, I know. I I have a countdown going on. St. Patrick's Day, my favorite of all holidays, is on the way. So we have some uh, facts about Guinness. We actually have this up on the website. If you do follow us on Facebook, you've seen some of these facts before. We have we have an article that we put out there about it. We also, uh, if you're going out there toasting, you know what? Here, we need a little bit of... need some Irish music. We're going to be talking some Guinness here. This is Floggy Molly, by the way. If you've never seen Floggy Molly live, shame on you. 
You need to get out there and you need to do it. Shame, shame. So um, let's talk a little bit about Guinness. Oh yeah, go to our website. We have a pretty good selection of toasts. If you're going to be out at a pub somewhere and you're going to be cheersing people, get on out there and uh, memorize those toasts and take them with you. Everyone will think you're a hero. Um, I think you're the, the, the best uh, Irish dude in the place. Because everyone's Irish on the same path, right? So let's talk a little bit of Guinness, shall we? Many people kind of know some of this already, um, but we're going to go through it anyways. So the Guinness Brewery is on a lease for 9,000 years. Arthur Guinness actually started a brewery with his brother before he uh, ended up uh, starting just Guinness itself. He bought St. James Gate property in Dublin, signed a lease there on December 31st, New Year's Eve of 1759 for 9,000 years. The yearly payment on that brewery, St. James Gate, on the property rather, is 45 pounds, which equals out to about 64 bucks a year uh, in today's dollars. And that is for another 8,741 years. That's about $5 a month that Guinness pays for that property. And uh, that's going to be for long, long, long after we've gone, certainly. Now, Guinness makes that back that uh, rent, I guess, or the lease, probably in minutes. Because 2 billion pints of Guinness are sold every year around the world. That's billion. Billion with a B. Guinness is actually exported to 150 countries. Between all of them, 2 billion pints are sold and probably drank, I would guess. I mean, that's, what, well, that's why you buy beer, right? Every year, without fail, that happens. And what's interesting about that as well is that the St. James Gate property, in one batch of brewing, can brew 2.3 million pints. That's how big the St. James Gate property is, um, which is a ridiculous amount. Now, here in the U.S., we are pretty good at drinking the black stuff, as it were. We do have 167 million pints that we drink every year. And the British, jolly old England, is the only sovereign nation to consume more Guinness than Ireland itself. And in Ireland, a full quarter of all beer sold is Guinness. So obviously Guinness is very popular. Now Guinness just had, back in 2000, I believe it was 2000, 2009, Guinness had their 250th anniversary. To do this, they celebrated with Arthur's Day. Now you might remember this uh, at a certain time of the day, which I believe was 4, is it 17? of 5.59, 5.59 p.m. local time, everyone gathered in pubs to raise a pint of the black stuff and say to Arthur. You might remember the commercials going around um, back in 2009 for this. So it was a huge hit. Arthur's Day resulted in a big uptick in sales, uh, got a lot of publicity, I mean, it's just a big hit. So they decided to continue that tradition annually. So every year, uh, they would do this. It was on September 23rd, which I'm not sure why they chose 23rd since we bought the brewery or the property back on New Year's Eve. I guess just because there's nothing going on in September. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, we're almost out of this Foggy Molly song, aren't we? That's just, that's just sad. I'm going to need to play another one here because I can't, I can't talk Guinness without something like that playing. You know what I'm saying? Anyone got any requests? No? Here. Black Flight Roll. There we go. So, there we go. Now, the problem was it was too damn successful. It got bigger every year. In the UK alone, over 1 million pints of Guinness were sold on Arthur's Day every year. Now, that sounds great. Like, right on. We're selling a million pints a day. 
However, the Royal College of Physicians in Ireland highlighted a 30% increase in ambulance callouts for each successive Arthur's Day. That meant that this Arthur's Day and this year, there was 30% more ambulance callouts than last year. So the success was actually ending up having uh, was actually ended up causing some issues. Not only that, there was a report that came out during that time that said alcohol-related liver ailments had seen a doubling versus the previous decade at the same time. So Guinness actually closed down Arthur's Day in 2013. Kind of, they changed it over to like a Guinness music festival kind of thing. Um, so you still can't celebrate Arthur's Day in a way. Another fun fact about Guinness, those of you watching your weight, how many out there are still uh, following along with their New Year's resolutions? Are there many people out there still doing it? I'm trying. Lord knows I am trying. Costco gets me every time though. Jesus Christ. All that free food is insane. Anyways, um, so Guinness does have less calories than OJ. So it's actually a good thing for you healthily. A pint of orange juice is 224 calories. So at 16 ounces, that'll be about 14 calories per ounce, which is about what uh, a bottle of single-serve orange juice is. 16 ounces of the best damn stout on earth is only 166 calories. <laughs> so that's about 10 calories per ounce or so. And it, Guinness is actually only 1.23 more calories than Bud Light. So people say, oh, Guinness is heavy. It's going to, nah, don't even worry about it. Guinness is actually a diet beer. Now, for those of you who are out there just going to be hearing me pounding the Guinness this weekend, just watch the person pouring your Guinness because it does take, or supposed to take, 119.53 seconds to pour the perfect pint. It is a double pour. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole ritual here, but uh, make sure that they do do a double pour for you. I'll post this up on uh, the website so you can take a look. Um, it is uh, Fergal Murray, who is the uh, brewmaster for Guinness. Uh, he really looks like he will kick your ass if you pour it wrong, but uh, kind of keep an eye on that. Make sure they're pouring it right for you. And here's a bonus fact for you. The harp is very much associated with Guinness. That harp actually comes from Trinity College in Dublin which is actually where Guinness gets a lot of the people that work for them, um, that do a lot of the work. I mean, Guinness, when they say Guinness, pure genius, they had a marketing campaign, uh, I think back in the mid-2000s, that was all pure genius. They're not kidding. They actually have people in from Trinity College, hire them directly out, which is why you'll get stuff like uh, the widget in cans. Guinness was the first one to come up with that. They uh, have what they call a serger, because bars in Japan were too small to fit in a full nitro system. So Guinness made something um, that would actually send a sonic wave through the beer and ignite the nitrogen in the beer, so just like it came out of a nitrogen push. Uh, it's called a serger, that's a special can. It's kind of a cool little uh, invention there, but um, Guinness literally is genius. And the harp, all the people that, uh, or not all the people, a lot of the people they bring in uh, are the smart people, come from Trinity College, and they base the harp off of that Trinity College harp as well. Fun fact about that, they trademarked that basically back when you first could. Um, 1862, they trademarked that. And it's called the O'Neill or the Brian Baru Harp. Now, oh, I'm sorry, 1876, they actually trademarked that. My bad. So, this eventually became the official national emblem of the Republic of Ireland. But here's the problem. When the Irish Free State Government 
from 1922 tried to trademark it, they were denied because Guinness already had it trademarked. So in order for Ireland to use the harp, the very thing that they've been using as their symbol for 100 years, in order for them to do that, they actually had to reverse the direction of that harp. So you notice the Guinness harp actually has a straight edge on the left side. The Irish harp will have it on the right side. So there you have it. Guinness is actually more Irish uh, than the Irish government. So anyways, well, we're getting to the end here. Uh, we're going to do one more round because the, the little timer here did go off. Final round. Never mind that shit. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Yes, it did. Well, thank you for listening in to Draft 23 here with the Commish. Going rogue. The Commish going solo. Uh, we will be back for Draft 24. We got a couple guests lined up coming up soon for you. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash booze league, at Twitter at booze league, and also on Instagram at booze league. Also, make sure you follow our sister account, Booze Babes. That is at Booze Babes on Instagram. Uh, if you are a Booze Babe and would like to be featured, go ahead and tag us or DM us or hashtag us, whatever you like. We'll get that up as well. Um, Otter will be back soon. So don't you fret. Raise a toast up to the honor that isn't here, the man who's in Viva Las Vegas currently. So anyways, thanks for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>